Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Hi everyone and welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined in the shed by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Oh, it's getting real. It's getting closer. They're talking about actual racy race things in the news. I am very excited about this. I know my son was reading his, he's got like um, a junior newspaper that gets delivered to him. And he suddenly turned around to me and said, Dad, they're talking about restarting F1 races. And I suddenly realized like I'd not told him. And I'm like, oh my God, boy. Yeah, no, it's seriously like, yes, we can't go to any of the races, but they're all going to be on telly and they're starting in like three weeks. And he whooped which is why I know I've indoctrinated him to F1. Yeah, and congratulations. <laughs> I did my best with my wife and my child, but yeah. it has been an utter failure in our household. Yeah, well, I, th- I just think you're not, you're not trying hard enough. Have you considered trying much harder? Oh, oh, come on, I'm a musician. Fair enough. And we are not musicians here. We are podcasters, and we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves we aim to bring you a race review very soon before your monday morning commute we might be wrong but we're first we're also joined in the shed by pr guru and journalist chris stevens how's it going chris it is going great spanners because i've had my first weekend off in about nine ten weeks so i am enjoying myself and next weekend before all the craziness starts again when we restart the f1 season i i love it when like single people complain about being busy oh i'm so busy all i had was every night and every morning when i woke up literally your only busy time was at work put pants on say this racing driver's brilliant how hard can your life be oh you have no idea <laughs> uh tell you what i bet the world of uh uh motorsport pr is going to start really ramping up trumpets 
Um, I have to say thank you to Marcio Gonzalez, who just chucked, I believe, 50. Is that a euro? It's a euro. Into the super chat for you to have quite a few drinks later. <laughs> yeah, done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we really do appreciate that support. And of course, the support of our patrons, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. The most compelling argument I could think of, of why you should be a patron for Missed Apex is this map. This is what I've settled on. Please go on. Oh, go on. You've been listening for ages. Go on. Do it. Go on. It's only a few bucks. Please come on. It's not bad, is it? Everybody else is doing it. Every, all the cool, yeah. All, all the hard kids are doing it. If you don't want to get beat up in the playground, support Miss Apex podcast. Uh, we're also joined by Kyle Edgy Power. Kyle, how you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm just here for the quiz. Oh, uh, really? No. I'm. I'm, really. I'm glad you mentioned it because uh, as soon as I knew there was a quiz coming up, I do a little WhatsApp broadcast and I say to people, right, news and quiz, who's up for it? You replied within 0.01 seconds uh, because <laughs> that's the only reason you want to come on the show anymore. No, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into some F1 talk like yourselves and everyone else. I'm getting excited with the prospect of finally getting some motor racing going on our screens. It'll be good. And also, um, we don't really talk about your racing enough. We're, we know, uh, you know, Brad is our driver pro, Alex Van Jean, our race analyst. But, you know, over the last few years, you've been my my racing coordinator on BBC Local Radio. Uh, I've done iRacing with you and karting with you. And not only are you fast, you're always up with the top guys. You're also like super just smooth, like nothing phases you. If you were to look at your face, you would imagine you were an erratic and wild person. But in a car, all your inputs are smooth and, you know, never, never a wasted turn of the wheel. All of the inputs are smooth, but I can assure you my face is anything but. <laughs> and what's going on inside? I'm <laughs> terrified inside, but um, somehow it comes out smooth. I don't know why I was, maybe I was, um, maybe I was dropped at birth and came out like that. I don't know. Awesome. So Carl Power, also a very quick and capable racing driver. There's your panel for this evening. Uh, Matt Trumpets, Chris Stevens and Carl Power and, you know, and me. I, I chip in with the odd thing. I just wanted to uh, to do a little bit of housekeeping because uh, there was a few uh, comments on Twitter. And every once in a while, I want to just address some of the more serious issues that pop up. So on Twitter, people were asking, is there a serious beef between you guys and for F1's sake? podcast so i just want to respond because i just want to clear this up uh, and so there's no doubt i i want to start by saying i have personally handed them a wooden spoon you know like one from the kitchen with the words worst f1 podcast literally burnt onto the spoon and i have physically handed it over and given it to them so for the avoidance of all doubt because we keep featuring on their show and they keep slating us for the avoidance of all doubt their podcast is a sham whose only redeeming feature is their fantastic editor who can make them sound good. Uh, But it's not enough. I don't feel like it's enough to just slate their podcast. I want to take a moment to individually highlight, you know, their individual failings. So let's start with their host, Chica. Yes, she's funny. Yes, she's a better host than me, obviously. But at the Missed Apex Karting, Matt, I lapped her four times. So what would you rather have? Yeah, I know. I, I admit, even I was able to pass her when she came to karting. So exactly, yeah, you you have a very good point there. Yeah, F1 sake got lapped by the host and the co-host of Miss Apex podcast, and then also there's the uh, quote unquote comedian. What, what what's their name, Chris? Jerry, Jerry, Kerry? Who's he? What's his name? Right. Oh, you don't know. Okay, that's fine. Well, anyway, I just want to point out that he did half a lap, Matt. He did half a lap, slightly hurt his rib, and actually cried. Actual confirmed tears. There we go. Just saying. 
wow, my rib came entirely out at the last karting event, and I still want to see championships. So I I don't like. I just can't can't go with that. You rubbed some dirt on it and carried on. So Jerry should have just done that. And I and I know Spanish. You collected those and you keep them in a jar on your (laughs) shelf, and they're labeled. And just every every night before you go to bed, you just. Stroke the job. Maybe sometimes, you know, you open it up and once just a year. reminisce about that. Yeah, just take it all in, that wonderful time. Yeah. Once a year, I just, I, 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 I tap my finger on it and I just, I just lick it and go, oh yeah, for f one sake, tears. And that only leaves the other one who I think is a used car salesman actually spent, spells his own name wrong. So there you go. F for f one sake, you guys can go do one. Well, we go to... Big Dirty News. Well, I'm assuming this first news story is from New Matt because you say you called it the puns in the notes are getting increasingly bad, Matt, and they're distracting. I feel they're bad for the project. Um, it is race two boogaloo, uh, bugaboo. Okay, race two bugaboo. Boogaloo See, is like not a word you want to be using over here right now. But okay, well, look, you don't run burgundy me. I can barely read as it is. So, race two bugaboo. Thank you very much. Um, quick shout out to Weasler for the $20 donation from Aww, California. Thank you. I don't know what's going on in the super chat today, <laughs> but please, by all means, keep it up. And they can sense uh, our impending financial doom and they're being very nice. So thank you very yes, much. No, we, we, we do occasionally make uh, make mention of our precarious yet entertaining. Nah, position. we'll live. What's uh, going on with the races? All right. So this is possibly the most exciting thing next to the tires that is going on is, you know, for the races, they're having race one and race two, they're double booking a lot of the circuits to reduce logistics and make things safer for people. And one of the big concerns from everybody has been that they don't want a carbon copy race two. Well, it turns out that in Bahrain, they have an alternative circuit that they're going to use that is also a grade one FIA circuit, meaning Formula One can race on it. Yeah. And it is almost NASCAR-like for Formula One in terms of its layout. So what this means is we might actually have an exciting race in Bahrain, believe it or not. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I, I think me and Chris might have some issue with this. Chris, I love the Bahrain circuit. If anyone's sitting there, might have a exciting race in Bahrain. There has been one exception to that rule, and that's when they use that endurance layout. Right? Every other Bahrain Grand Prix has been astonishing. Kyle? Yeah, and it's to do with the, um, it's when it particularly went to hybrid and the night race and the refueling and the tyres thing. For some reason, that just works massively for for Bahrain and the big straights using the hybrid system and where to save. But this new track layout looks like it's going to be that on steroids, basically. The the night thing, I think, just adds to the spectacle. Like Everything is is better at night. And let's be honest, it's 80% of what the Singapore Grand Prix is and why we tune into it. So uh, so it definitely works. But this new layout, I think I've seen uh, supercars use this layout. And as much as supercars always has great racing, it, you know, all, it produced a great race anyway. And uh, you can just see it's it's going to work quite well, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's basically... All right, so let's be clear. It's going to be three and a half kilometers. There's three massively long straights, some sweepers, and about one and a half slow turns in the whole circuit. So, I mean, I'm thinking like Austria-like in in terms of maintaining momentum into the braking zones. Everything's going to be there. But what I'm curious about is how much of a challenge it's going to be for the hybrid engineers to recover enough energy 
Like, I think that's, that's, I'm looking at those and I'm thinking there's not a lot of breaks in that. No, there's essentially three breaking zones down into turn one, which is an overtaking opportunity down into turn two, which is the current turns one and two and the current last corner. Everywhere else is pretty much a flat out sprint or sweeping corners. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to be able to harvest the energy. It's going to maybe come to laps where cars are completely have to run no ERS deployment at all for some laps with their backlight flashing. That's going to be very interesting. What a headache for the engineers and what a challenge for them to have. And we're going to relish watching it. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt, I'd sort of dismissed this. How likely do you sense that it is? Uh, that they're going to run the secondary yeah. layout? I, I think it's certainly going to happen. Oh, well, I, that, I thought it was like basically confirmed. They, they're, this is absolutely going to happen. Well, I mean, Bahrain in general is, you know, it's a high, high speed circuit. There's lots of straights anyway. Um, and this is a season where we have perhaps that sort of moral freedom to do more stuff. So I'm, I'm not seeing any, any objections actually in the, in the chat room. I, I guess if it was, all right, we're going to do race two on a Monday. All right. We've got a Grand Prix on Sunday. There's race two on a Monday. There's really no risk. I guess the risk here, Chris, is if we're dedicating a whole race weekend to it and it turns out to be whoever thought that just a bunch of straights with F1 cars would be in any way interesting. Well, Monza works right, well, really yeah. well, you know, uh, and uh, so does the first and second sectors of Spa. No one's ever sitting there saying like, I wish the rest of Spa was more like the middle <laughs> sector because all of Spa is amazing. Um, I, I love the fact that we've, we're, we're getting this this oval answer of Formula One, and then they're also looking at tracks like Portimao, for example. And I don't think you could get two different <laughs> kinds of circuits in there. Uh, Kyle, first, then let's go to Matt because I think Matt has a bit of an update on the possibilities around the Portuguese uh, offering. Kyle, yeah, the this new proposed Bahrain layout is. I think it's more akin to the classic Silverstone layout of a very fast perimeter with some very fast corners, more like an oval. Um, it just as soon as I saw the overhead layout of it, I was like, oh, that looks like old school Silverstone, which obviously is going to be yeah. great. Well, I, I'm assuming. Let me just ask a stupid question here. <laughs> I'm assuming that you couldn't use any of the old Silverstone layouts because you would have to go through the village grandstands uh, to get back to Bridge Corner. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay. Probably through somebody's garden. It is a shame because we ran that in our Mist Apex iRacing, which, by the way, is live um, this coming Friday at 8pm. We're going to be driving around the fantastic Suzuka circuit with Chris Stevens and Catman, our quiz master, commentating Steve Amy, giving us a fantastic broadcast. And I'm definitely going to get a race win here because I feel amazing. Suzuka is not all about technical skill on the brakes. It's about getting them out and swinging them around, Kyle. Yes, a fantastic track. It's got such a smooth flow. I haven't quite found my feet there yet. And all of you guys, all three of you on this call, in fact, are um, are extremely quick. So it's um, it's going to be very challenging. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be drama in the midfield. Well, you haven't got to worry about me because I'll be worrying about the championship showdown that'll be going on on Friday. <laughs> Seven guys still mathematically in contention, but the eyes are on two. And you've got some maths to do because like, there's 140 yep. points available. Oh, it's going to yep. be, I'm, I'm going to be listening to the commentary while racing just to hear you guys struggling uh, with the maths. But the point there was, uh, yeah, it's a shame because the, actually the, the legacy Silverstone circuit, pretty good uh, circuit, but Overall, you know, I, I do love the village complex, love bombing down Wellington Strait and then seeing them come into that, that Luffield, um, Brooklyn's Luffield complex. Uh, Matt, we had a, a tweet pointing us to a Portuguese outlet uh, during the week. 
yes, a friend of the show, Vasco Breitenfeld, popped off a tweet about his very excitedness that uh, Portimao uh, in Portugal was being discussed uh, with a great deal of certainty, at least in the local newspapers, as a venue that F1 was likely to visit this year. So I want to back up because uh, Chris inadvertently has kicked us over into an entirely new topic, talking about the calendar. So just to reiterate, for those who missed it, Azerbaijan, Singapore, and Japan are now officially canceled. They're not going to happen this year. Imola turns up with a press release uh, June 11th. They are now officially a grade one FIA track, meaning that Formula One could race there and they are very excited about it. And Mm. uh, simultaneously, we get in the news uh, from Ebola or Abola that Portugal anticipates being on the calendar this year. Uh, The dates they're anticipating are 27 September and 4 October after uh, for Ferrari's 1000th Grand Prix, they go to Mugello and have a race there. Now, none of this is confirmed by the FIA or by Formula One yet, but this was run in a major newspaper in Portugal. So we can assume at the very least they're reasonably far along in talks and perhaps trying to play the refs a bit. But Portimao is a great track, and I, for one, am 100% in favor of seeing a race there. You'll have, like, two really old-school kind of circuits that have a lot of elevation change, a lot of very fast-sweeping corners, and everyone's sitting there looking at Mugello and and Portimao and will say, oh, they're not going to be good for for Formula 1 racing. And like, well, we're not going to know that until we actually go racing on them, are we? And at the very, very least, it's something new and exciting, and new is always going to throw up some surprises. Yeah, exactly. They're both fantastic. They're both tracks predominantly sort of motorcycle tracks really but um people have been saying the same thing about zandfort and we're yet to see that that's a very similar track as well very fast and flowing and quite narrow i think portimao will be fantastic it's got so many crests up and down it's like a roller coaster all the undulations and i think if they needed to they could have scope for maybe putting a hairpin in at the first corner there's lots of runoff there to help f1 overtaking if there were those concerns there is scope to maybe do that. Maybe not the timescale. But. Yeah, I was going to say timescale. They want to get They want to get on with it. Uh, there is a- another element here on the calendar. I was looking at it because I was filling out our Missed Apex calendar. Uh, you know, we're rather organised here with a big panel. So we want to have an availability sheet. And there's not a lot of off weeks coming up. The, the, the schedule is really, really packed. And the benefit of that is you're not going to get a WTF1 style temper tantrum if we have uh, one boring race because there's another race the next weekend. So if you've waited three weeks for a race and it's Paul Ricard and you know you've got two weeks to go, yeah, you can kind of go, oh, geez, you know, this isn't what we wanted, Matt. But when there's a race every week, ah, that race kind of sucked. My driver did well or didn't do well. Uh, We can listen to the podcast and we know that in five days' time, they're going to be practicing again somewhere else. So... Yeah. Okay. If you if this is if there's ever a time to prove that Imola isn't going to be good with modern cars, can we get it out of the way this season? What I love about this is let's talk. We have a secondary Bahrain track they've never raced on, yep. although they raced at Bahrain. We've got Mugello, Imola, Portimao, none of which we've been to in what decades? Dare I say it? Decades. And so there will be a dearth 
of data for your engineers at these tracks that a single day of running is in no way going to begin to make up for. We could have the most interesting topsy-turvy sets of results just from being at new tracks that we have seen, uh, I guess, since, oh man, since when would when we have like five winners in six races? Was that like 2012? 2012. 2012. 2012. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a while, but I'm, I'm actually I'm hoping we get a lot of new tracks because it's it's going to be hard to look away. Well, potential winners this year, I think you're looking at the top six teams. But if you have a little bit of chaos, I think you can throw Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll into that mix. I mean, Maldonado won race won a race, so don't dismiss it too quickly. The Racing Point guys, if they if they have done a good enough copy and can get themselves up there in some chaotic random races, you've got a much bigger field, I think, and also perhaps just seeing some new faces on the podium. Obviously, you know, Albon uh, nearly got on Albon nearly got on the podium. We saw uh, a delayed podium for signs. I think we could probably look forward to a bit more of that with a bit more of a uh, chaotic season up ahead. Carl, I know you had a point, but I don't feel like I can uh, get to you in any detail without addressing the elephant in the room, which is that you have shaved all your facial hair except what looks like about four months worth of growth in a two, like a pointy, like an evil beard. There's only one reason to grow a beard like that. You are currently purchasing a super volcano and you're building a secret <laughs> layer in there. That's the only reason to have that beard. Everybody's having crazy COVID facial hair. I can't even get a haircut. So I was going to have a big handlebar and yeah. I, I end up looking like a 70s porn star. So I shaved that off and decided to to look evil, instead. to look like a genuine yeah, it's threat. It's good for de-stressing. You can mm. you can meaningfully sit there and posture with it. It's good. Well, you stroke your evil cat, plotting the demise <laughs> of mankind. Uh, in fact, let's forget about your point. You're too evil, Chris. What I, I think we need to kind of remember as well is that I think no matter kind of where the first few races are, it, it, we're going on a, a journey of discovery anyway because we don't know anything about 2020 f1 in terms of like an order you know we know mercedes are going to be up the front we expect red bull and ferrari to be somewhat there and racing point to maybe be a bit closer to the front because of what we've seen in the eight days of testing but that is it we know nothing about what formula one is was even going to be like in 2020 had it been a normal season Uh, we know what we knew at the end of testing but what i know is that different tracks where no one has data gives us a much greater chance of exceptional, exciting, and unexpected results than going to the same tracks year after year after year after year. What I find is when there's a lack of data, you will find that that lack of data is cheapened uh, in a future series when you find that he was alive all along in some ethereal virtual landscape, thus invalidating his final sacrifice. Sorry, no, that's Star Trek. That's that's commander data. Beg your pardon. Um, let's get back to F1 and tyres, uh, Matt. Uh, two different compounds for Silverstone. What's going on there? Well, do you remember... No. Several weeks back when I tried to talk about tires and point out that Pirelli was talking about and they were talking about bringing different compound sets to make second races more exciting. I poo-pooed it. Well, you know, whatever. I might change my opinion with the wind. And and everybody wanted to talk about sprinklers and blue shells and whatnot. (laughs) But as it turns out, they're bringing two different sets of compounds. They listen to you. They're bringing the hard, the C123 compounds for the first race and the two, three, four for the second race. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Slow down. Slow down. You can't just 
we can't, it's been too long since we've had a race to just gloss over that. Okay, so slowly, uh, with feeling, for the first race, obviously now all the tyres are denoted every weekend as hard, medium, soft. So the hard, medium, soft, there's, what, five different strengths? C1, C2, yeah. C3, C4, C5. Okay, so for Silverstone... It's really... Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's put it in the simplest way. Uh, for, they've got Silverstone, they've got three sets of tyres. For the second race, what are they doing? Going harder or softer? They're going one step softer. Okay, so what we're going to see is them having to be more aggressive with strategy, having to do more tyre saving or more pit stops. Eh, I'm fairly meh on it. Chris, Chris, why shouldn't I be meh? No, I'm kind of meh on it as well, and I'm kind of annoyed. I think they've done it the wrong way around. Surely you should have the harder tyres in the first race, and then the second race will be spiced up. That's what they're doing. They're being tyres that degrade faster. That's what they're doing. That's, that's what exactly. Doing. Yeah, that's exactly what they've done. And I think that's no, really, it's the other really way good. around. No, oh, it's not. No. It's the. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Do you the know what's happened? It's, okay. it's been so long since there's been a Grand Prix. I've forgotten which way the scale goes. <laughs> that's funny, Kyle. Kyle, let's get your point. <laughs> Yeah, so Silverstone's traditionally always had the hardest tyres that they can um, make. I think back in 2013, they had the blue striped ultra hard or whatever it was. And um, and then they had all those tyre failures. Um, so it's, it's a really good move to go on for the second week to have a softer set of tyres because I reckon the top teams will still try to do their one stop and they'll just have to manage it more. But it's going to throw a complete dice into the midfield because there's going to be people having the softer tyres available and go for a super aggressive two or three stop strategy. So I think it's a perfect move. So my biggest disappointment about this is not that it's happening because I love that it's happening, uh, but that they're repeating the 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 C two and the C three tire between both weekends. And remember, you only have to take two tires, mm, so yeah. it's very likely we're going to see the top teams on the medium tire to get into uh, Q three, and they'll basically run the same tires both weekends. The midfield, on the other hand, is going to be a lot more interesting as a result of that. And I am looking forward to it. And maybe if we're lucky, Racing Point might even be fast enough that some of the top teams have to switch to the softer tire to get through to the final qualifying session. And if that's the case, well, then now we could see some really different strategies as a result. Evil Kyle? <laughs> that's an extremely good point. So it, this is essentially introducing almost a qualifying type tire in which some teams who are struggling to get into the top tier will take. And as you say, that's going to put loads of pressure on somebody um, on some of the second drivers in the top teams who are going to have to bolt on a set and match the strategy. Yeah. I mean, if I was doing it, I much would have preferred a one, three, four, and then a two, four, five. So you had a big performance gap there and you could see some radically different strategies. Uh, but then that's me. The other thing I want to remind everybody of, because we've all forgotten it, is that unlike previous years, Pirelli is picking the allocations for the teams. The teams don't get to say, bring me two of this, three of this, and eight of this. Pirelli is doing it all for them. So it's going to be probably standard and uniform, which could again affect our results between the two races. Chris? I don't know. I don't know if it'll make a huge difference because it was it was very rare that we'd end up seeing teams like out of a certain tire. When the rule was first introduced back in 2016, I, there were some discrepancies. But I think by the time we get to to race day, most teams seem, seem to have a, 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 a same allocation of tires left. Yeah, no, they do, they do converge as the weekend goes on. But if you are particularly bad on one tire and they brought more of it than you need, you, you, could, be, you could be hemmed in a little bit in terms of, I need more time on this tire than I have tires to put the time in. 
Okay. I, the tire talk's done, right? Yeah. Have we done it? We, we've, we've completed tires, yeah? It's like broccoli, isn't it? We've eaten our broccoli and now we can have our gammon and roast potatoes. There you go, Matt. I called you broccoli. I don't take it back. That's right. I like broccoli, particularly okay. with cheese sauce. Look, if I, if I insult you, could you be offended, please? It would really help the flow. Oh, no, I don't want to be broccoli. Anyway, whatever. I, do you know what? I'll do this all myself. Uh, next issue that we're facing with the calendar was pointed out by one of my favorite Twitter accounts. I always see him pop up, but Chris, you might have to help me here. It's uh, Pablo E something. It begins with an E. Can't remember his name. Elizades. Say it again, Matt. Elizades. Elizades? Yeah, that sounds familiar. I always just look at it and go, ah, yes, it's that guy. Um, But he tweeted the possibility of there being confusion if we don't clarify the the Formula One calendar. Now, the FIA are saying, oh, no, 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 we're going to have everything decided. It's all going to be fixed uh, before the season starts. So you have to take them for their word there. However, the season is starting very, very soon, Matt. And I, I have doubts as to whether you'll get all those contracts tied up. For example, you know, we talked about Portugal. Are there modifications? Can those more modifications be made in time? Is the contract conditional on them making those modifications in time? What if a country suddenly has a second wave of coronavirus? Do they do commit to doing a, uh, to do a, uh, a substitute race and, and say, you know, it has to be 18? Or do they start going down a system of, of dropped races? And as uh, that Twitter account pointed out, you know, you could get to the point where you go, oh, Lewis Hamilton, he's about to be declared world champion. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, as it happens, the, the three tracks that we thought were cancelled, their government has now released their lockdown. So we've got actually we've got three more races. So being very clear from the very beginning about how this is going to go down is important. And, and, and then again, the idea of, of dropped races, uh, dropped races. Uh, rears its its head, which I don't think is a terrible, terrible idea. Let's go to Kyle. Kyle's got a point on that. I believe that's been categorically ruled out now. Has it? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And also with reduced schedule, um, there is going to there are going to be problems with the schedule being somewhat dynamic and not set in, and they're going to have to take some last minute decisions. But as you say, there needs to be some sort of stability. But yeah. I believe Ross Braun made a comment that they're not going to do the do the drop score thing now. Oh yeah, the drop score thing would be just a. A, a poor idea all around. Why? Well, wait, we have no, to, why? Why? Uh, because it, it, it's it's just not necessary anymore. It was designed to make things fairer in an era where unreliability was rife. We don't live in those days anymore. But uh, uh, I think, in uh, fact, can uh, I just uh, counter that quickly, Chris? Because go, we go, live go in a, because we live in an era where unreliability is rarer, and we now have a system where a win is worth more points, so we're skewed more towards a win not than you know not than perhaps when it was uh, the top six scoring points but we are heavily weighted the back gap is biggest for a win surely now mm. since since, since uh, unreliability is rarer it's more of a bad thing and we should say well uh, because it's it's much more of a random factor if it comes in this is the best time to have drop points if you want to look at you know okay trigger warning if you look at the 2016 if you look at the 2016 season matt uh, very reliable cars Championship decided by one single instance of uh, unreliability. He runs. You are absolutely correct because this is only a drivers' championship, and engineering should not uh, factor into it at all. <laughs> oh wait, I'm sorry, that's not the case. Okay, at all. okay, I've yeah, definitely, I've, a- de- I've definitely argued the opposite of that before. So okay, that's fine. Good, good point. 
Yeah, this is the engineering and, and is a part of the sport and reliability is inherently written into this current set of championship regulations. So yeah. reliability failures should be punished, just like bad driving should be punished and driver errors are punished when you hit the wall or go off the track and your tires get all marbly and everyone passes you and then you have to catch up to them again. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the way it is now. Oh, I hate it when you make reasonable points. Shut up, Chris. I'm sorry. So, so on the calendar, um, I, th- I think there is a, a point we have to be re- realistic and accept the reality of the situation where there is a very, very real chance that a week before a country is supposed to host a Grand Prix, it has a spike of coronavirus and has to cancel the race. Okay. The, but we have to accept that because <laughs> Formula One is not as important as trying to stop that happening. Yeah, okay. And, uh, but no sending your number two driver deliberately in a country to infect them all with coronavirus to advantage your teammate. All right. No more, no more crash what? gates. No, no Corona what? gate in F1, please. There, there are, there are contingency plans for if, you know, races have to be cancelled. And of course, Formula One has talked a lot about how they are going to make sure everyone is safe. At okay. the well, what's the well. contingency plan if, I mean, Stuart Neal in the chat room, hi chat room, uh, says the, you know, well, if we are having these eco bubbles, surely there's, you know, no problem. So what is the contingency plan if we want to head to Portugal and Portugal suddenly goes on a full lockdown? Oh no, this article didn't say anything about what the contingency plan was. They oh, just said, just oh, said, we have a worry. plan. Oh, we okay. have a plan. Don't worry, guys, trust me. <laughs> No one mentioned Brexit, but shut up. That's it's not the same thing. Uh, right, uh, Matt. <laughs> oh, God. oh, yeah, we've definitely got a plan. Where am I supposed to go after that? I don't I mean, know. I don't know. Maybe it'll all just somehow work out. Uh, right, uh, where are we going? Uh, I still like the idea of, of drop races in this era, uh, in this season of unreliability. I, I, I don't think we can get to the situation where we're two thirds into the season and suddenly, suddenly the championship and the face of it changes. Because look, look at the 2016 season. Nico Rosberg had a lead and he knew he just had to finish second in every race. He set his battles plan out to do that. He drove super safe and did exactly what he needed to do to win the championship. What if he got to uh, Brazil and they suddenly said, oh, there's two extra races, by the way. Uh, you should have been going for first and not doing the correct thing. Rosberg absolutely did the correct thing, Chris. He finished second and followed Hamilton home in every race. In that situation, if you added an extra race, you're punishing him for doing strategically the correct thing. So, so the, the plan is not to add races, first of all. I think they've agreed on however many races they can possibly get into the rest of the year. The problem, I think, is going to be losing races not adding them on and if we are losing races how many of them can we organize uh, an alternative venue for that's what the problem is and either way you know you can't you can't compare that to what is now because this is just such a bizarre situation that all sport around the world is currently finding itself in and i think at the end of the day no matter what happens we can sit here and argue about why somebody ended up a champion but at the end of the day it happened Okay. Um, tell you what, Matt, I don't want to get bogged down in Marshall posts and eco bubbles and hand sanitizer and all those kind of things. My general attitude to all of this, even, even on like radio and stuff, when people have been talking about any event they're putting on, when, uh, when they talk about any gathering of people or any potentially dangerous situation to do with, uh, COVID-19, 
I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they're doing all the things. So if F1 turns up at a circuit, I'm just going to go ahead and assume there's hand sanitizer everywhere, that they're doing the testing because I, I don't want to get bogged. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm bored of, I, I had to do a temperature test today. Uh, I put it to my forehead. I beeped it. It was 34.5 degrees. I'm pretty sure I'm clinically dead. But look, everybody is taking those procedures. So we're just going to, we're going to give them a pass if that's all right, Matt, and say, yeah, they're doing all the stuff. No, not okay at all. First of all, you brought this up because we were going to talk about why Formula One has decided not to have a podium ceremony in the traditional way this year. Okay, we can do that. Now, why is this your fault? (laughs) Because I went and looked at it. We discovered the FIA has released a 40 to 50 page document with appendices. And I read the thing and what I discovered there and, and the only thing that I really wanted to talk about with regard to the marshals, because, and this is just because no one else has really talked about it yet. They are looking very much to try and make the number of necessary trackside personnel a dead minimum. And they have in this document for the first time, they've laid out what their plans are for reducing the marshal count to try and keep everybody safe. So it's just a bit of news I've not seen anywhere else that takes about two minutes to get through. So I would like to mention it. Okay. But the real thing is to talk about what are we doing? Podcast. What are the, what are the oh. changes we're going to see when the races are on TV? And so we mentioned the podium ceremony. They're trying to come up with an alternative to it, but we're not going to see three people on a podium spraying each other with champagne. Okay. Uh, there's no spectators. Yeah. What yeah. other things we're not going to see? A driver's parade. Other things we're not going to see, the national anthem, which I personally will not miss at all. I don't know how anybody else feels, but I'm perfectly happy to see that go away. From I mean, first. some are better and, than others, aren't they? And I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm a proud patriot. You know, I love my country. I've served my country, but da, 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 da. It, take, it just takes the edge off a really exciting race for me personally. Oh, dear. There's going to be some hate mail. MattPT55 at gmail.com. Right. And the uh, FIA Future Stars, whatever that is, will now be virtual instead of live. I have no idea what that is. But now, you know, you have been informed. Um, The media. Yeah. They're being encouraged to work remotely. They're talking about small pressers. They're talking about working from home. They're talking about digital attendance at the races. Okay, so there are going to be some journalists at Austria, uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, for example. I know that for a fact. Uh, I think those journalists now all know who they are. So there will be live media at the track, but not to the same scale. And crucially as well, that live TV crews. So Sky is going to be there. We're still going to get comms on site, for example, and not in a studio in London, which uh, I'm very relieved about because uh, you, you can say this, that, or the other, and companies always try to to not send people, you know, to, to places if they don't have to, it's just better. So I'm very relieved to hear that. Um, but there's also all kinds of, you know, like virtual press conferences. I would not be surprised if we have, you know, virtual media sessions. So all the teams have uh, a Zoom call with a bunch of journalists uh, to to have, you know, Q&As with the drivers. I imagine the people on site are the uh, the, the full season pass holders, so for people who don't know, F1 Media works in, in two ways. You can get accredited per race, or if you know you're going to be going to every race and you're a particularly high-level uh, member of the media, you can get full season pass as well. I imagine it's only the latter 
that will be attending. Like Matt. Matt's high. He's FIA accredited, you know. He never mentions it. But, right. Uh, he is. Can, can, I, can I just say that's not a thing? Okay. FIA oh, no. accreditation is not a thing. Explain this. This is worth noting because just about right. every F1 Twitter account is, oh, I am FIA accredited. So explain this for us, please. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. It used to exist. It doesn't exist anymore because like FIA accreditation, what does that even mean? What, you, you have a pass for every single FIA event in the world? No. So Matt, for example, was accredited for a Formula E race. Therefore, he can call himself a Formula E accredited you know, journalist. I was a formerly accredited journalist because I did, you know, four half seasons in there. Oh, I was a so, formerly, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought I was on mute while was, I was well, doing that impression of you. I didn't hear you complaining about it when I was offering my expert insight during e-radio show, but... <laughs> no, that's true. But you are hearing me mocking you uh, now. Uh, so what's the difference then now with, uh, with F1 races, with F1 accreditation? Well, I, I assume that just to keep the number of people on site to a minimum, they'll only let the full season pass holders in because I think I, I can't put a number on. I, I imagine there's got to be less than 20 people holding a full season pass. Let's Maybe about, even less than 10. Okay, well, let's talk about some of those procedures and how it, it might uh, affect our viewing of Formula One because I, I actually have quite a bit of beef with the, the way races end. Kyle, you know, that you've got the the excitement of that race and, you know, you might have a really tight finish and Crofty, who I believe is one of the most exciting com- I know he gets a lot of stick. He is such an exciting commentator. He just drips enthusiasm, passion, and he calls it. If you're looking for the voice of a sport, he's fitted that role like ably mm. he brings you to a crescendo and that's the thing and the thing has happened and we all feel this way blah and then what do we do we watch them sip water for 20 minutes in a green room going oh did you what happened to you oh, tires well pff, who cares who cares about all that <laughs> yeah it'll be you <laughs> yeah, apart from trumpets. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what they're going to do. So are we going to have TV presenters there as well? So Sky are going to be there. Are they going to be presenting from the paddock still? So they'll just be doing um, uh, an interview with a microphone on a stick then instead. Maybe, yeah, a two metre a two meter long stick. But I think the general point I'm, I, I'm sort of going for is I've always thought it's a little clumsy because there was this long gap till the podium and they tried to offset that by having Paul DeResta, you know, shove a microphone in Van Ta- Valtteri Bottas's face. So, uh, uh, that was quite a long race. What did you do? Did you try to take the corners really fast? Uh, yes, I also, I had some energy and then I did. And I thought, what? What's going on here? And that it was like a proto podium. So why not? Why not take a leaf out of like the USA and Mexico have you know, with the podiums, with the cars lifted up. So Lewis Hamilton being raised up on a platform with his championship winning car, have three cars drive onto a podium, lift those cars up, have the trophies waiting in place. So the drivers hop out. Explosions. Explosions, like music. uh, And then they, they uh, trumpets in the background and then they, they pick up the trophies and, and then you can play the national anthem if you want. Uh, But then there, it's done. Instead of all the faff, there's too much faff, Chris. (laughs) There is, but Formula E does podiums fantastically. If you want a good podium done, take a leaf out of their book. There's like massive confetti cannons that go on. They drive up onto podiums most of the time as well. So they're celebrating right in front of the cars. It's fantastic. Uh, Well, you're actually really not too far off because having the drivers and the cars together, but uh, at a socially distant interval is actually one of the things that's being rather seriously 
looked at as a way to replace what is our traditional podium ceremony that everyone is sort of used to seeing. You need some kind of a acknowledgement of who finished where. Yeah. But you can't yeah. put the drivers that close together. You can't have the interviewers there and there will be no crowds. So the question becomes, how do you create an appropriate television spectacle that represents that same event? And um, drivers in cars driving onto podiums or driving into at least places that are marked out clearly on a track, perhaps, is likely we will see some variation of that. And there are also, I mean, the the traditional scrums where all the drivers are and the pens where the, uh, all that's going to go away. They're talking about having a pooled report from a single reporter for a lot of the pressers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. one person asking questions and digital attendance so that you can dial in and ask a question at the, at the quality and the race pressers, which are going to be challenging because they're trying to keep team personnel apart. So, so there's a lot of, and I'm telling you, this is a long document. There's a lot of <laughs> thought and work going into making the safe and following, I think it's a WHO guidelines that they base all of this off. We cannot go into this thinking Formula One is going to be the same. Between lights out and the checkered flag, yes, it will mostly be the same, but everything around that is going to be completely different. And no one can turn on their TV expecting to see the same thing they normally do with the same atmosphere and the big excitement. It's going to be quite understated. And that, again is just a reality of the situation. Uh, in football, they're going to pipe in over the broadcast crowd noise. So maybe we could uh, do that. No, that is a, a terrible <laughs> idea. That is worse than the concert they play in the middle of the Le Mans 24 hours. Uh, uh, let's get Kyle. So that'd be worse than an episode of Friends with the canned laughter. It's going to be awful. Um I just hope that the presenters don't try to force too much enthusiasm like Eddie Jordan did on the first Russian Grand Prix podium that time because it was awful to watch. It was horrible. The world's most boring race and he's trying to make everyone excited and just had a completely flat response from everyone there. Well, first of all, I can't believe Spanners missed the obvious opportunity to play with his new toy and hit either crowd noise and or laughter after Kyle's remark. I'm looking for it. What do you want from me? Like I said, it's oh. a brand new well, toy. Well, then I will carry <laughs> on my point while you go find the appropriate button. There we go. They love that, Matt. There they, we go. They, they're loving that. I was there looking for the laugh one. I can't find it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, that's fine. Uh, but secondly, there will be no presenter on that podium. You're going to get the drivers will get out. There will be microphones there for them to use. And there will be someone, you know, two meters plus away asking each driver questions like that. This is really what you need to expect to see. And I notice that we haven't talked about Marshalls yet. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay. I'm what? not going to say yeah. it's because I went and found it oh, and because sh- nobody else is talking about it that I do want to spend a tiny bit of time. But when we're done with the media, can we spend like two minutes on it? You said right at the beginning of this, I just want to make my two minute point. And that was a 15 minute segment ago. But fine. Sure. Take some more airtime. Frankly, the longer we can delay the quiz and Kyle's victory, the better. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, okay. So here's what you need to know. They want as few marshals as possible. They want everyone to be safe. And in order to do that, one of the things they're looking at is how can we reduce the number of people? And in order to understand what they're talking about, you need to know the following things. That anytime a car goes off track and marshals are required to intervene, they first must get permission from race control. And there are three different interventions. There's a first intervention, which is two marshals with fire extinguishers. Two more interventions to go, everyone. If required, a second intervention. To facilitate rescue. And then if really required, a third intervention, bringing extra equipment and or stuff as needed. Okay. And what, and and so uh, looking at a typical marshal's post, a typical marshal's post, you may or may not know, has up to 12 or more marshals. I did not know that. Yeah. And uh, including a post chief, observer, communicator, light panel operator, two to four flag marshals, two to four intervention marshals, and one to two dedicated fire marshals. And so what they're looking at is reducing that structure to being a single post chief, one observer communicator, one light panel operator, two flag marshals, and two to four intervention marshals, depending upon, I assume, the trickiness of the corner preceding their And a safety medical car. Good. And they may even do away with marshals entirely at certain posts or assign the role of observer or communicator to either of the flag marshals. Also, they're going to look to do things like assign equipment to a single marshal for the entire weekend. And as is not usually the case, marshals tend to rotate posts throughout the weekend. They'll be assigned a single post and a single group and be staying there the whole time. So now you know a little bit about what they're looking to do that no one else has told you so far. Chris, then Kyle, then we're moving on. So there's a comment in the chat that says, how are they going to do pit stops? Because obviously that breaks the two-meter social distancing. And uh, I don't think we've discussed this, but each team is going to be you know, considered and treated like a household in the UK. Yes. So they can interact with each other, but they can't interact with anyone outside of the Yes, yes, yes. As long as they're taking an eye test. Let's just assume that everybody is following social distancing rules for now. I don't, I'm not overly interested in that particular procedure. We've had more, more than enough of that, Kyle. It's been in the news every single day. I was just going to say with the marshal rotating thing, um, I've been a marshal and it was great being able to rotate marshal posts and go on the flags. I feel sorry for those marshals who end up getting stuck on the flag post because <laughs> they'll be there doing all the large majority of the work for car marshals and not being able to rotate. I used to love it when I got off flags and went on to bike or body pickup because I knew I could sort of chill out until it all kicked off. You know, it's funny that you mentioned pit stops because do you know who was actually on track testing this week? Yeah. 
feels like you're going to... Mercedes. You really don't want this quiz, do you? <laughs> oh, are we trying to wrap it up for the quiz? Yes. I thought we were trying to move on to the next topic. No, oh, I'm, I'm trying to go. I'm going to do the quiz. I'm sorry. I didn't understand that. Cars went out on track. We'll get more details of that next week, I'm sure. Uh, but fine. for now, fine. it's time to test our F1 knowledge and yours with Catman's Quiz. Okay, you may remember from the last quiz that I was having lots of trouble because, you know, like a noob, uh, he was recording them all on WhatsApp voice note. And I was like, oh, I'm struggling. We heard the odd beep. I got the odd thing wrong, revealed the the odd answer, and we made a pact to improve it. And let me tell you now, we didn't. We, we, it's exactly the same. So you're going to hear the odd beep when I forget to uh, stop the WhatsApp voice note. Uh, let's see how it works. So let's let the man himself, Chris Catman-Turner, describe how this quiz is going to work. Good evening, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed playing along with our lockdown quizzes. No. Today's quiz is similar in format to the last, but the questions are likely to be a bit more challenging. Oh, God. Stealing is definitely allowed as long as it's not a 50-50 question. Five lights and away we go. All right. It looks like we're, we're knee-deep. Kyle, as the defending champ, I think you have to go first in every round. Pressure's on. Yeah, you won the last one. Now, let's be fair, you won it by only about 30 points out of available 31 points. So, all to play for, Matt. There's only one way to go, though, and that's, that's, that's down. down, hopefully. I, I'm thinking Kyle only gets to go first if none of the three of us know the answer for sure You're still if weird. one of us knows the answer for sure we get to go first chris feeling optimistic <laughs> we could have a hand up didn't i win the last one no i don't think so i would never have allowed that to or was happen. it the one before see i'm scared of chris here i All think chris right. is gonna win this let's go for it so the focus is on kyle so i'll, I'll give the live stream mm-hmm. a video of kyle's evil beard and away we go round one f1 trivia each panelist will get two questions each with one point per question. Who currently holds the record for the most races before their debut podium? Did he say it was one point for each race? For, for each question? We're going to have to listen to the intro again. Point. Tell you what, you're gonna, you've, you've got a reprieve here while we play. Here we go. Round one. F1 trivia. Each panellist will get two questions each with one point one per point. question. Okay, and one point to steal, I reckon, as well. Here's the question for you again, Kyle. Who currently holds the record for the most races before their debut podium? There we go. Mark Webber. Mark Webber. I felt like we've had a very similar question before. Let's hear the answer. That was Carlos Sainz Jr. on the 2019 (laughs) Brazilian Grand Prix. Wow, oh, that was tough. So I tell you what, with these big calendars, guys, we're we're kind of we're kind of having to skew towards the modern drivers with all of these records. So he's, I still think of Carlos Sainz as a a new guy. I really do. I think of him as a new yeah. guy. Uh, so let's Same see. Who, who, who should we go for next? How about uh, Chris? Here we go, Chris. Which driver contested the most seasons in Formula One before winning their first championship title? There we go, Chris. Oh, there's a potential steal here as well. Damn it. Because I feel like it's going to be a uh, an older driver from like the 80s or something i'm I'm next in the queue to steal make your guess oh man i'm just i have no idea so i'm just gonna say uh something like james hunt james hunt uh kyle what was your steal if you have one mansell 
Oh, okay. Well, I'm going for button. Oh, let's have a look. Let's see what the answer is. Nigel Mansell won in 1992 yeah. after making his debut in 1980, a full oh. 13 seasons previously. There we go. Carl gets this it. Is closely followed by Nico Rosberg with 11 and Jensen Button Andretti with 10. There we go. What uh, were your steals? What were the steals? Uh, well, you said Mansell, didn't you? Yeah. What well, was that? What you were going to say? No, my steal was Button. No, you were going to say Button. Yeah, mine was no, Button. No, no. So I was like fourth in that queue at two. Trumpets. Who started yeah. the most races without scoring any points? <laughs> Who started uh, the most races? Remember, if you're silent, I can edit out very easily. If you make lots of ooming noises, you just sound like an idiot going, oom, ah. I am tempted to keep my mouth closed and therefore n- not remove all doubt. <laughs> but I suppose I have to make some sort of a guess here. Go on then. Uh, that's a tough one. No points. Mm. I'm going to go with uh, Badawer. Luca Badoa. Chris, what's your steal? So I had a realization just after <laughs> Matt answered. I was going to say Narain Karthikayan. Okay. And Russell Coburn has just put a bet on for, he's, it's a super chat comment. So thank you very much for that very generous donation. His super chat comment is 15 to one on spanners each way. Ooh, uh, still, still generous that. Uh, let's see what the answer is. That is Luca Badoa Whoa! with 58 entries and 50 starts. Not bad at all, Matt. You uh, shut your chat room window, you. All right. Uh, my question. How many different hills have won the Drivers' Championship? Oh, no. Hang on. Stop, 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 stop. There were three. Oh, damn. I was right. I swear I was going to say three, but since it was my error, I can't. Now, the reason I was going to say three was not because of any knowledge but just simply because two was too obvious. So let's see what the answer was. There were three. There's obviously Damon and Graham, mm. but also the first one to win a Drivers' Championship Bill. was Phil. I bet he spelt his name correctly, unlike that guy from, for F1's sake, podcast, who spells it wrong. Okay, so no points for me there. I would have said three, simply because two would have been far, far too easy. Let's move on to you, Kyle. Which other Dutch driver has driven for Red Bull Racing? Nice. All right. I, I'm going to steal if he can't get it. I don't know. It's gone. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say the only other Dutch driver I know, which is Guido Vandergaard. Anyone else? Hang on. He did specify F1. If it's not an F1 driver, no, Chris, he, are we riot? Albers. Oh. But Red Bull. He said Red Bull. Wow. I get made. Albers, Albers was a Red Bull in like 05, wasn't he? Or 06 so. or one of them? Let's find Kristen out. Kleen was. Let's he find was out. Kleen. Robert Dornboss raced for Red Bull in 2006. Oh. Well, there we go. Now, Catman wow. did say that this is the hardest quiz so far because he'd ran out of all the easy questions. And every week he's done this, I've said, come on, mate, give us a chance, dial it back a bit. <laughs> so these are the harder questions that are left. I'm sorry, he described the previous quizzes as easy. Yep. Yeah, no, he's a git. We, we don't like him. He's like disbarred. Uh, right. It is, in fact, Chris, this is your question now. Which driver out-qualified Ayrton Senna, his teammate, in their debut race for McLaren? Mika Hakkinen. You look confident. That was Mika Hakkinen. Nice. A point for you, Chris. Matt, trumpets. Here we go. I can get them all wrong. Which team did Red Bull sponsor between 1995 and 2004 before entering as their own team in 2005? Did lots of steals here, Matt. 
I feel like I shouldn't even answer because I'm sure Kyle and Chris know the answer, but the only connection I know is Minardi, so I'm going to say Minardi. Uh, is that uh, Kyle's <laughs> hand went up first? <sighs> yeah, Sauber. Yeah, and I'm sure Chris was going to say Sauber as well. <laughs> that was Peter Sauber's team. Nice. So that is a point for Kyle, who is only winning by one, and I would also be in joint second place had I not pressed the button uh, too quickly. Uh, okay, um, who's left? Oh, it's me. Just my question. Which driver used the number four before Lando Norris? What? What kind of random question is that? I could have had who sponsored Sauber. To be fair, Catman didn't know which order that we were going to go in. Uh, so it must be someone who has retired. So let's go for uh, Heike Kovalainen. Anyone want to steal? Number four? Fisichella. Fisichella. Any other guesses? So hang on. Fisichella didn't race in the personalised <laughs> number era. Okay, let's, let's give it a hit. Max Chilton. Oh, okay. Oh. Max Chilton. Remember Max Chilton? He Slate him all you want. He had the record for most races not going fast enough to crash. That is the official record that he, that he holds. So round two... We're going to get an explanation from Catman. And and by the way, we give him some stick, but uh, he's he's okay. Yes, he does spend most of his time operating on delicate bunny rabbits, heart surgery on bunny rabbits. That's his day job. He takes time out from that to do these quizzes. Let's see his explanation of round two with Kyle on two points, Chris on one point, Matt on one point, and me on zero points. Okay, round two. Round two. This one's all about Williams. The, <laughs> the Williams name may soon be departing Formula One after the team was put up for sale. But how much do you actually know about them? Nothing, Catman, as well. There are again two questions per panellist with one point per question. It's a three-round quiz, by the way. And I hope you are enjoying these. We do tend to put them at the end of the podcast, so you can tune out if you want to. Looking at the live stream numbers, they're enjoying it. We'll stick with our reigning champion, Kyle Evilbeard Powers. Which technical director was sacked by Williams for the team's failing to be ready for the start of pre-season testing in 2019? Steal, steal if you can't get it. Sorry, uh, Kyle, you're breaking up. I didn't... I didn't quite hear what Patty you said. Patty Lowe. <laughs> sorry, no, there's really... Oh, damn, it was not it. Adrian Newey. I'm sorry, it was Patty Lowe. Oh, yeah, Matt's stealing with Patty Lowe. It's a fix. <laughs> <laughs> he was meant to be the saviour coming from Mercedes. It was Paddy Lowe. There we go. Look at that softball. He knew, he knew I put Carl first. Chris Stevens, um, your question is on the ident numbers of suspension struts. Which double champ car champion joined Williams in 1999, but failed to score any points for the team. God damn it. You the only champ car champion I know who went to Formula One is Bourdais. So, and it, it definitely isn't Bourdais. Kyle? So, Zanardi. Alexandra Zanardi. Alex Zanardi. <sighs> there we go. Well done, Chris. You've let Kyle pull away again. I hope you're proud of yourself. It's, it's it. Chris's fault for... I mean, I mean, Catman's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Too late. You blamed it on yourself, son. <laughs> You're the worst, and this is why. Trumpets. Who is the team principal of the Williams team? Frank Williams. Believe it or not, that is still Frank Williams. Claire Williams is the deputy team principal. 
I, I can't How is believe that fair. I can't believe he thought he was going to catch someone out with that. But presumably, my question will be will be equally. Uh, you know, will be. I'm sure it will be something like, "Who is the current Williams driver lineup?" Uh, let's let's see. Who was the first world champion driver for Williams? Oh no! Feels like that should be easy, shouldn't it? Feels like that should be easy. So I'm going to go to the 80s, and we're looking at Nigel Mansell, 80s, 90s. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with Nigel Mansell. Who's stealing Matt Jones? Oh, poop. Alan. Oh, I ah gone. I was going to say KK Rosberg, but uh, no, actually, I think Alan Jones is. It's right. Alan Jones. Stupid trumpets gets a stupid point. Sir Alan Jones. (laughs) Well, you know, he's a a foreign though, isn't it? So it's only foreign, sir. Um, It's an Australian, sir. Yeah, Uh, medium. It's like half points. Half points for that. Uh, Who have we got next? Me. Come on. Uh, No, that was mine. And Matt stole it. Curse you, trumpets. Kyle Power. Sorry. Which world champion driver made their debut for Williams in 2006? Nico Rosberg. Chris, correct? Yeah, Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg. Yay, we're all fans of Nico Rosberg here. Another I point. That was a trick there. That was mis. That was. Yeah, yeah that was, was a sneakily yeah, tricky one. Laid man. out question. That. Mm. No, he just thinks we're thick. Uh, it's a. Uh, <laughs> uh, hang on, who's? I've lost track now. It's Chris's question now. Yes, here we go. Chris, no. Who deputised for Felipe Massa at the 2017 Hungarian Grand Prix? Paul de Resta. Paul de Resta. Yeah. And and actually, I have to say, that highlighted how tough it is to just jump into a car with absolutely no practice at all. And I think people were, were reasonably understanding, but there were a few harsh people there. But I I think uh, perhaps uh, looking at uh, Kovalainen jumping into the lotus seat and turning around after three races and saying, oh, I didn't realise it would be as hard. <laughs> uh, Chris? So Raikkonen... Obviously, it stands out in that race for being the harshest on domestic. Yeah, I should stick at the reporting, this guy. Yeah, no, that was in practice. That was in practice as well. Uh, no, no, qualifying? Yeah. I, I can't remember if it was the race. He wouldn't get out of the way. Is, yeah, this is yeah, his problem. Yeah. yeah, I think it was only in... He only, he only had a qualifying practice uh, for practice. I don't think he had any other sessions. Uh, okay, uh, trumpets. Which Scottish racing driver participated in practice sessions for the team in 2014... And 2015. Chris is in first to steal. Susie Wolf. Ah, I think that's going to be correct. That was Susie Wolf, the first woman to do so since Giovanna Amati in 1992. Although Amati actually failed to qualify in all three attempts that she made. Do you know what? And I don't mean to be insulting in any way. I'm just so used to Susie Wolf with her sort of half Austrian accent, which is perfectly reasonable to pick up when you're living with someone with such a strong accent. I'd almost forgotten. I'd almost forgotten uh, she was Scottish. And uh, still a team principal in Formula E, Chris. Venturi, yeah. Speaking of which, when are we going to get the Formula E quiz that I can just ace? Uh, When you can be bothered to restart the Formula E podcast. Jeez, you walked into that. I can't. I actually can't do a family podcast. Conflicts of interest. Uh, Did I mention I work for a Formula E team? Whatever. My question. Which driver took their maiden Grand Prix victory for Williams at the 2001 San Marino Grand Prix? 
which driver took their maiden thing for 2001 got to get myself into the mind i have to say the early 2000s and i'm stalling in case uh kyle uses this opportunity to get drunk on whiskey and forget uh that was my kind of lost years uh to be honest in formula one the early noughties i'm gonna have to give it up kyle who was it ralph schumacher ralph of course ralph schumacher Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb, Kyle, and I'm going to say that you are better than me at quizzes. Maybe. Why, though? Just memory retention. It's the beard. You've got (laughs) one of those engineering brains, haven't you, where you you lose your belt and you will tighten your trousers using a shoelace that you have found on the street, but you can recite, like, from memory the entire periodic table. Something like that, Okay, so what I'm doing is I'm putting you down... Because of my jealousy. It's easier to pull you down than lift myself up. <laughs> Let's see what's going on for round three. Round three. Which driver is this? This time it's even harder, as oh, the drivers God. today are all one-hit wonders. They all only took one victory in their career. Hey, man, just one you. driver per panellist this time, but you'll get an extra point if you can name the race where they won their only victory. Oh, jeez. So still in contention for this is Matt. Matt can technically draw and put us into a into overtime. So, Matt, if you close the gap in this round, I will forego my question for a tiebreaker. So, Kyle, are you, are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. The first team I drove for was Tyrrell, and the last one... Whoa, whoa, hang on. There's potentially two points per question. Chris, you're in it as well. All right, start again. The first team I drove for was Tyrrell, and the last one was Jordan. I started over 200 Grand Prix, scoring Sean 32 Lacey. podiums in that time. Sean I took my only race victory on my 31st birthday. At the Canadian Grand I Prix in 1995. owned by a former teammate. That was Jean Lacey, who took his only win at the 1995 Canadian Grand Prix. Matt, don't worry, you're still in this. Uh, Chris, you are now technically no, out. But here we go. Honours for second place, please. Fingers crossed, Maldonado. The last person from yeah, my I'll country. start that. I'll start that again. I think, well, the last person from my country. So, well, that Maldonado <laughs> would fit. I am so far the last person from my country to win a Formula One race. Aside from my race victory, I took five podium finishes. I broke both of my legs in a crash. And my last season oh. in Formula One was in 2004. Both broke both my legs in a crash. I don't know. <laughs> Go on then, Kyle. Ruin the quiz by telling us who it was. Olivier Panis. Jeez. For the 1996 oh, Monaco, Monaco Grand, Prix. Grand Prix. My boss is going to hate me. <laughs> I thank God he doesn't listen to this show. What? Well, then what are you worried about doing a Formula E show for, you numbskull? Exactly. If your boss doesn't even care, jeez. My name is Olivier Panis. My name is Olivier And I won my race victory. In Monaco in 1996. Jeez, this is embarrassing. Next time, we're just going to bring, we're going to bring a ringer on. And we're just, I'm just going to be purely a quiz master. And we're going to bring you, I've got zero points, by the way. I'm not running away from that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Matt, um, look, none of you have been keeping up with the scoring. No one's counting at home. Just me and my pencil here. So let's say technically you're still in with a chance. Let's go for it. Matt, if you get this, there might be a, a playoff somehow. Uh, what do they call it? What do they call it? Competition? Cautions? In NASCAR? Get this right, Matt. 
I am the first and currently only F1 driver from my country. I have taken one win, one pole position, and one fastest lap in my career. Maldonado. My debut spelled the end of Jacques Villeneuve's racing career. Mm? I was forced to take a break from F1 racing for nine years. Oh, that's throwing a spanner in the works. Well. What one hit wonder took a nine year gap from racing? Not F1 racing, you said racing. Maybe someone who had some kind of injury that kept him out of racing, I guess. I don't know. I was going with Maldonado, but it ain't him. Wait, did he say out of racing? Yeah, out of racing, not just F1 racing, out of all racing for nine years. Nine years, though. That ain't Maldonado. No. It would be one heck of a comeback story if you got back into F1 after nine years. Oh, wouldn't it? Unforgettable. Especially with any injuries that might come from from such a forced abstinence. I don't Come know. on, Matt. We're all rallying for you to get this. I, I know you You need to give me better clues than this. Come this on. Help us. <laughs> if, if, you, if you get this, you'll be in the pole position. Ah, there we go. Kubica. <laughs> hey. I, am I didn't know he only had one win, though. And That's I took why my I was victory in Canada I wouldn't in have got 2008. It. I wouldn't yeah. have got it from that. But in our pretend system, there's an exciting, dramatic playoff between Kyle and Matt. So, hands up. Who's the first to get the driver? First hand up gets to answer. I lost a position on the final lap of a race after accidentally pressing the pit lane speed limiter button. Kyle, go for it. Was it Mansell at Canada and he, when he was celebrating too early? How is he a one-hit wonder? He's won more Oh my than God, one-hit one wonders. I forgot his one-hit oh, wonders. No. Oh no, oh, look at that. While I raced with a helmet design based on a popular computer game. Open goal. I only oh, won yeah. one race, but was teammate to a world champion. Yeah. I took the seat vacation. Carl, there's no rule that says you can't answer twice. Get in there. Take oh. your win. Where's Cave Did By the departing Fernando Alonso at two different teams. I am Heike Kovalainen. There we go. I won my every race victory. Hungry. Hungry yeah. in 2008. That was a particularly good episode of Beyond the Grid, actually. And Heike Kovalainen, too honest, man. Like, he is not like a racing driver at all. So, uh, Heike, where do you feel like you fell down? Well, you know, I didn't really look into any of the details of, like, how the car drives or what improvements might make me go better. Also, you know, I didn't practice enough. He all but admitted a drug addiction in that podcast, Matt. Uh, I just, my favorite memory of him is just, like, wheeling over with his car aflame to the Marshall Post gradually climbing out and saying, could you hand me a fire extinguisher, please? And then just putting his car out. And I mean, that was just like, it was hilarious. It was just a fun thing to watch. I, I, I certainly think that, uh, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. But anyway, let's get uh, Catman's closing remarks. I hope you've enjoyed this series of quizzes. Nope. And if you played along, let us know how you did, especially if you beat the panelists. You can catch me again next Friday night for the commentary on the final race of the MAP Formula Renault Esports Championship. And then again, very soon on the podcast as a panellist. Thanks, fellas. Don't forget, comment of the week. Oh, nice one. You're on mute, Chris. Ha ha. Are, are we an esports championship? Are we willing to call ourselves esporters? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Definitely. We are a sim racing league. We are esports participants and we run an esports league. Well happy with okay, that. Okay, I, I, I quit. <laughs> why? <laughs> That's odd. Kyle, tell him why he's stupid. 
Well, if you see me running between my racing rig and the fridge to get another beer between the races, it's definitely a sport. It definitely I was going to say, like when I did a 12 hour comms race at Simply Race, and there was the the guy doing pit stops and chugging pasta and rice in his 30 second pit stop in between stints. Anyway, the quiz was done. Kyle just won it. Oh, it was so close, but well done, Kyle Power. Take your bow. Really did make us look thick, uh, Chris. You and me, we are, we are the worst ones. It's bad. I think we we knew more answers than we were allowed to give. Yeah, uh, your questions were harsh. Winner, Kyle Power. You can be found on Twitter because we bullied you to go onto Twitter. <laughs> so you are at Kyle Power F One. How have you found your Twitter experience? Um, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, it, it's it's okay. It's nice to be able to occasionally interact. I lurk. Um, I'm trying to build up to Lurker. posting on there a bit more, but uh, I don't really agree with the whole general Twitter ethos. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you and I are similar drivers. Someone compared our sim data and said we have very similar styles, which I take as a compliment. You're another smooth operator. You're another yeah, very man. smooth driver. Silky so yeah, smooth. we work together very well getting through the pack. Yeah. And oh, oh, here's a bit of an awkward situation, right? I think if the Missed Apex series ever has a team element to it, I was going to invite you to, to team up with me. <laughs> but Van Jean was like, no, Kyle would definitely be with me. So you're going to have to choose who you love the most. Uh, and I don't want to pull the whole, I pick the panel card, but... This is like choosing who, which parent I want to go and live with, isn't it? This is, this is harsh. I did that with my children. I said, if, if me and my <laughs> wife were to get sadly divorced due to the pressure of your terrible behaviour, who would you stay with? My son said, I'd go with mum because you can't cook. And my, my daughter said, who is keeping the cats? That was her question. Clever. To decide Clever. who she would stay with. <laughs> Unbelievable. Chris Stevens, you are... Uh, at Chris on Racing on Twitter and on Instagram and TikTok, you can be found dancing to short no. excerpts of music in a crop top. Don't even Why? say that. TikTok, they're artistic. That's a TikTok. budding media platform. You would be lucky to be on there. I hate TikTok so much. And the sad reality is... Because you can't I dance. Think, I, I think <laughs> I'm going to have to... <laughs> I was trying to do a TikTok that thing, dancey thing. I don't know. I hit my mic. Sorry. The sad reality is that I think I'm going to have to start opening TikTok accounts for my clients because it's yeah. become such a popular thing. Yeah, it is. We're going to have really to is. take advantage of it at some point. Honestly. Which is really sad because I hate it you so can't, much. You can't ignore it. And when I first opened it up, it was like, oh, look, here's people's children dancing. Then I made a discovery that you can just type stuff in. So I typed cats in and then it learns what you want to watch. But there's actually loads of really good sports stuff on there. So... Don't dismiss it too quickly, Chris. No, I will. It's full of just... Idi- I mean, to be fair, Twitter is also full of idiocy, but I can ignore that. And let's Whereas go... Whereas messaging us every five minutes with another stupid oh, TikTok. TikTok video. Oh, this is so funny, lol. Van Jean is addicted to TikTok. It's funny. I, I'm not ready to write it off. I think there's a lot of good stuff that's come out of TikTok. Uh, I didn't know you were a 14-year-old girl. You have to just, you have to curate it like any newsfeed. Facebook is terrible if you don't curate it. And if you do curate it, you get to get radicalised into a series of ever-narrowing viewpoints. Hmm, I'm not sure if that helped. No, it didn't help. Trumpet, save me! You can be found on Twitter at MattPT55. Your wife is an author uh, who writes books. And I've been trying to convince you, Matt, why don't you voice 
some of your wife's books. She writes romantic novels. The inspiration for many of those male leads must be you. Why not voice what is essentially your own porn fan fiction? Well, you know, they get a little bit, <clears throat> well. Racy. It, it, it's a touchy subject to bring up. Uh, no, the issue with uh, voicing any of our novels is any of the ones that have been published by the publishers, uh, the audiobook rights are owned by the publishers. So there are a couple that are potentially available. We've had a minor discussion about it, but it has yet to go any further. Excellent. Well, if you want to sub in an editor, let me know. Might be up for some boring hours editing Matt fan fiction uh, at MattPT55. You can email Matt as well, uh, MattPT55 at gmail.com. You can get in touch with me, uh, Spanners ready at gmail.com as well and i do i do love hearing from you just be warned that some of my answers uh because of my lack of writing ability might be a little briefer than some of your your responses but i love getting them and honestly they keep us going nearly as much as the fine folk who have been going to our tip jar missapexpodcast.com forward slash tip jar they've been keeping us going as well it's been a real boost over this pandemic have to be honest with you our household lost nearly half of its income due to covid19 that tip jar has uh, kept the wolf from the door that wolf being a permanent engineering position and keeping this apex on the road so thank you so much but the biggest thank you of all is to our patrons who have believed in us from very early on covered all our costs kept us going and made missed apex possible allowed me to plow time effort and emotional energy into it we are hyped for this season coming, not just because F1 is our our life in so many ways and we're looking forward to the racing, but because as a project, we felt before Austria that we were really about to launch uh, ourselves and say Missed Apex is here at the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, and we were really looking forward to those figures. World events have overtaken that, but we think the Austrian Grand Prix can have a similar effect and I hope that we've kept you entertained over the off-season. So do stick with us, patreon.com forward slash missed apex subscribe on your podcatcher of choice so that we're there on your podcast player without having to think about it thank you very much to kyle chris matt we will see you next sunday until then be oh but you this is your fault matt i was on a roll but you made me change to find the applause and laughter let me start again no one saw it's okay until then Be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Well, Matt, uh, that is the end of the show. No need for any other segments or or any... None at all. Catman even reminded me to do it. (laughs) Not only that, somebody put ten... Dollars. Stop ruining my segment. Yeah, just stop ruining my segment. Thank you, Welesh, for trying to remind me. Oh, it's your segment now, is it? I believe it's the segment of the listeners. But if you want to selfishly claim it, that says more about your ego, if I'm honest. Trumpets. Yeah, it says about the fact that I sat here the whole time curating these comments. No, stop thinking about my mistake. Stop thinking about our audience's sensibility. Stop thinking about my mistake for getting it. Stop focusing on Matt's arrogance and ego. Distract them, Kyle. See that tactic? Distract them. They're upset about one thing. Point to another thing. So, Matt, (laughs) show us your statue of, sorry, your list of comment of the week nominees. 
Right. So I need to begin with my shout outs to all of those who donated through the Super Chat. For Marcio Gonzalez, who donated 50 euros. Unbelievable. Half quite a few drinks later. For the dashing spanners, most of all. And I have to say, until the spanners bit, you were completely in it for comment of the week. (laughs) Yes, invalidated himself, unfortunately. Uh, With the spanners comment, uh, another five euros to get his answer for Sauber in. Well done. Yeah. A Weasley from 20 bucks. Cheers from California. $10 more. Can someone buy comment of the week? Just wondering. Well, I think possibly, though, we would want to make those arrangements anonymously. Yeah, yeah. We, we have to do those behind closed doors, Matt. But actually, I can't believe the Super Chat comments here. Genuinely blown away. Thank <sighs> you. Thank you so much. Uh, Matt, yes. no, none of them can win comment of the week. You cannot buy comment of the week. Who are uh, our nominees? John. Pollard getting in with 50 pound guy already did. They were euros, but a point taken. Yeah. Uh, Stan Babin, 10, 10 pounds. Keep it going. Russell Coburn, 10 pounds, 15 to one on spanners. And Mark Greenhow, who donated at least two pounds throughout the Thank course you, of the Mark. conversation. Mm-hmm. Thank you all very much. And now we do need to remind Uzair Syed. I'd like to say that Matt is looking very handsome today. That These That's comments, as much as we love them, do not win you the prize. So, on to the actual players. Mike Stoner. I was going to give them some money, but I don't think there's any left after those generous amounts. Well, there you go. They gave us all the money. Who's next on our list, Matt? Evan Muncherian. Racing Point will have a better year than Ferrari. This is a bit on the um, bet on the prediction side, but I felt like it should be included because we're getting close to actual racing. We're definitely going to do a prediction show in the next couple of weeks. So, yes, those kind of things. I mean, it's not guaranteed at all. It's a young driver lineup at Ferrari. There's a lot of risks with that. Both those guys are good. No doubt at all. Championship hunt? I don't know, Chris. Yeah, well, remember, I mean, is, is Vettel still considered young? Oh, right. I'm skipping ahead to 2021, aren't I? Sorry about that. You're, yes. you're <laughs> jumping. Yeah, I've based, sorry, Vettel. Yes, apologies to Sebastian Vettel fans. He could well still win the championship this year. We're going to have to watch that for future shows and future predictions and like remind everyone and ourselves of the 2020 lineup. Matt, who are the other nominees? Come on, man. Well, we have Yelmer Vanderlei in with When It Bahrains, It Pours. <laughs> get it? And Porsche is spelled P-O-O-R-S. Oh, Very good. Thank you and good night. So yeah. that's like, and he's a also dad, in for with sure. Trumpets Looks Tired, spelled in the uh, things you put on your cars. That's whiskey, not not fatigue. Uh, uh, Mark Greenhow is in with F1 Race at Maple Valley, please. Anyone with an Xbox will get that. Really? What, what game is that? Uh, Forza. Oh, okay. Not they have Maple Grand. Valley Racetrack. It's just like a big circle. There's like yeah anyway when we were talking about Bahrain that's why it was mildly topical I don't play video Stuart games Neal, very serious matter. Trumpet is working to missed apex time where one hour equals two hours True. I like to call them imperial hours but yes you get the point good uh, Bass Axe 7045 fireworks and explosions for the winners throwing beer bottles to the losers like Indianapolis GP and that is very America I will yes we'll go there Matt come on and, that, and finally, already- Troy Pichal, if Kimmy was in a T-Rex costume, it would be gold. Okay. Um, and the winner obviously has to be Yelmer Vanderlei. When it rains, it pours. Get it. Thank you and good night. Comment of the week. 
Thank you very much, chat room. Thank you very much, listeners, and everyone who interacts with us. It wouldn't be the same without you. Thank you, most of all, for making us feel like we're not just shouting into the void. Good night. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.